0: Hey, it's Gonzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence.
1: Welcome to
2: The Baldcast. A production of John Bald Baldface Truth.
0: We need an expert when it comes to weather. Chief Meteorologist, KGW-TV, big-time University of Utah. Football, basketball fan, Matt Zafino joining us from KGW. Zafino. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man?
2: It's been a little wild, yeah?
0: Yes, (laughs) It has. (laughs) What are you seeing out there?
2: oh man I wish I was seeing more 40 degree temperatures farther north they've made it down to oh down around Lake Oswego, West Lynn and Point South but once you get up into the Portland area we're still hanging around 30 to 33 degrees Um, so we've warmed up enough that the ice has been melting say here in downtown Portland um, we're seeing melting but it's super slow it's not going away very fast the main roads I've seen the plows out downtown and they're getting a little slushier but the sidewalks and the side streets and the neighborhoods for many of us, uh, you know, from downtown over the east side neighborhoods are still frozen solid. So um, what I'm not seeing is a big push of warm air that's going to change that anytime soon. So we're going to have to have a little more patience.
0: All right. So, we, we, yeah, I, I uh, Anna encountered that she tried to drive. And even though our temperatures are like 40, she still encountered an inch, inch and a half thick slab of ice as she was trying to drive out the driveway. And she had to turn around and come back. Uh, because our neighborhood's in a little uh, hilly area but did this surprise you did you were you surprised there weren't more snow or did what did you see coming based, based upon what actually happened
2: um so going it was starting when you know you want to go back yeah. to last saturday let's
0: go, back, let's, go back, let's go back to saturday
2: <laughs> yeah saturday when we had when we had the the snow coming our way was that saturday or was that friday um So I was a little bit surprised that we didn't have more snow, but I understand why. We ended up getting a lot more sleet, and that keeps your snow totals down. Um, So I was a little bit surprised by that. Not super surprised, though. I knew there'd be some sleet, but it ended up being more of a sleet storm than a snowstorm for Portland. The freezing rain... Um, Yesterday did not surprise me at all. I think that was pretty well forecast. And I'm also not surprised by the slow, slow warming that we're seeing across the metro area because cold air like this, and remember, it, it had Arctic origins. It's very dense. It's very stubborn. It doesn't like to be displaced, hangs down at the surface because it's, you know, it's it's a density thing. So it's heavier. It's dense. Gravity wins. It stays low and you need some mechanism that's going to push it around, scour it out and move it out. That's usually for us a good south wind if we get a storm blowing into our north. The problem last night was that storm was pretty weak. So we, we picked up some warming, as you know. It's in the 40s for most of the Willamette Valley, but the Portland area, we're hanging on to this near-freezing air. And the bad news is the east winds are going to strengthen again tomorrow, and that's going to deliver more cool-ish air into the Portland area. Now, what I mean by that is I think we'll top out above freezing. We're not going to be seeing low temperatures in the low 20s like we did over the weekend, but we're only going to top out about 38 tomorrow, and the morning low will be around 33, maybe 32. And the ice itself has an insulating effect in that it helps to chill the air simply by its mere presence so it's going to be a slow uh, thaw for the portland area and the farther east you go towards the gorge the the slower it's going to be and i think we are going to see more freezing rain tomorrow from roughly i-205 east so most of the metro should see just a cold rain but from i-205 east we're going to see more freezing rain tomorrow and strong winds out of the east they're going to be blown again by thirty to fifty mile an hour guests in the gorge. And then in the gorge itself, up to nine inches of new snow with the system coming in tomorrow. As you know, probably the uh Interstate eighty four is still closed in the gorge. I don't know when they're gonna get that open.
0: Matt Sofino, chief meteorologist, KGW with us. All right, you uh you're a University of Utah guy and
2: go Utes. you know,
0: I went there and I was there and there was snow on the ground and the people there are driving around like it's nothing. But we freak out, and but I I want to give people here a break because we're not used to it, and the cities aren't used to it. And you know, what do you see? Because you're a guy who's lived in places that had more snow and sure. and tougher conditions. What what's going on with us?
2: Sure, and I grew up in New England too, and I lived in Michigan, so I've I've lived in a lot of different snowy places. And I don't think it's you know people like to do exactly what you said. Well. Back in Minnesota, we wouldn't close the schools unless there's four inches of snow on the ground. It's like, yeah, okay, that doesn't work in Portland, and that doesn't work in New England because the roads are hilly, and you get an inch of ice, and you have to close the schools because the buses can't move. So it varies from city to city. So back to your Salt Lake City thing, they are used to snow. They get a lot of snow. What they don't get a lot of is what we just got, freezing rain. That's pretty rare for the Salt Lake Valley. It happened once when I lived there, and it was a rare event. So while they're they used to snow, they get a lot of snow. Look how that city is laid out. It's relatively flat. The streets are super wide, thanks to Brigham Young. And, I mean, that's that's a true story. Um and, uh, and they know how to deal with it. They've got the plows and snow is easier to deal with than ice. Same thing in Denver. Same thing in all the snowy cities like Minneapolis and Chicago. They know how to deal with it. They get it all the time. We also have, you know, as you mentioned, the hills and the terrain that make it really, really dangerous. And then we have our, our, our little secret weapon known as the Columbia River Gorge that keeps us cold. So our terrain is incredibly complex. That adds to the complexity of the weather that we actually get, not the actual forecast, although that's true too. I'm just talking about the actual weather that we get. Um so it's it, my point is this it's it's not it's not really a fair comparison to compare how Seattle or Portland deals with snow as to how Minneapolis or Boston or Chicago deals with snow because it's a it's a different animal
0: you're right about brigham young uh the streets <laughs> the streets in Portland the blocks are shorter and narrower in Salt Lake City. they are wider and larger than any major city in the United States that's you know we should take a page from that that's why true. not a little bit.
2: Well, they did that. I think the historical reason for that is that they did it uh, so they could drive their covered wagons down the street easily. Honestly, I think that's the history of the of the street layout in Salt Lake.
0: I love that. Matt Zafino with us. Uh, We've got a lot of listeners in Eugene on Fox Sports. Eugene, they're losing power down there. Oh, yeah. Seems like they're in a they're in a world of hurt.
2: Well, they had a lot of ice. You know, the, the ice came into Eugene before it came into Portland yesterday, and they had it for quite a while, but they've also warmed up. They're in the 40s down there now, so their ice is going to melt faster. But, you know, once the power lines are down and the trees are down, it takes crews time to to make men. So I actually did a, a social media post about this, just kind of giving a shout-out to all the tradespeople, all the linemen, all the people working the power lines and, and, and uh, traffic and transportation crews, they're all doing their best. They're working super hard to get our our homes and our lives back to normal. So shout out to them and also, you know, have patience with them because they're working hard.
0: Matt Zafino with us. All right, let's uh, pivot a little bit. I was looking at something uh, football-wise. I mentioned it in the last segment. You go back three years, Zafino, and nine of the 12 Pac-12 coaches are not in their jobs. Media Day three years ago. Kyle Whittingham's one of them. He's still there. Um, you know, but you have guys like David Shaw who's you know, throwing in the keys and Jimmy Lake got fired and Carl Durrell and Clay Helton got fired and massive turnover. But as a Utah fan, that continuity is valuable, isn't it?
2: I think so. I, I think it really is. I mean, you know, I, I know you have a lot, at least I think you have a lot of respect for Kyle Whittingham, and I think most of the college football world does, and part of it is He's such a nice guy, you know. I mean, and I love how he deals with the media because if there's something he's not going to tell you, he doesn't deride you. He doesn't make you feel bad about your questions. He just says, "Yeah, I can't answer that right now." And then he moves on. And he's cool about it. But coaching-wise, I think and and recruiting-wise, I think that continuity goes a long long way and you know as much as i i you know just hated the demise of the of the pac-12 i'm excited to see what what utah can do in the big 12 next year and uh and going forward and since we're talking college football coaches i got to give dan lanning a shout out though i thought that video he did uh, saying hey i'm not going anywhere are your coaches is your coach leaving come play for me i mean he turned the gossip mill into a recruiting tool i thought that was brilliant
0: yeah, he did. He used it as an opportunity, even though he probably wasn't offered the job. He got an opportunity to be the good guy,
2: get a standing ovation. Exactly.
0: <laughs> at, the, at the next game. All right. Uh, the move to the Big 12 for Utah. How is the fan base feeling?
2: You know, as far as I can tell, we're like, okay, bring it on. You know, let's let's go play. Let's lace them up. I mean, for Utah, the, the realignment is probably a little less severe than it is for other schools, because if you think about it, we're going with four schools that we're used to playing. The Arizona schools, Colorado, and BYU is already there, and we're, of course, you know, that's our arch rival. We're used to playing them, even though we haven't played them as much over the last five years or so. So, travel-wise, going to Arizona, no big deal. Of course, BYU is just down the road. Colorado is just over the hill, known as the Rocky Mountains. And, and the schools in Texas aren't that far. Utah's are all um, always for a long time been recruiting Texas pretty heavily anyway. So I don't think that's too much of a too too much of a tough task for them. It'll be interesting to see them play in was it Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State plays? Yeah. In West Virginia and then going down to Florida. So I think the recruiting base um, you know, wasn't happy about it. I think Utah was thrilled uh, being in the Pac 12. And obviously, with the success of the Pac 12, winning it two years in a row and being in the Pac 12 championship game, what, four of the final, last five times before this year? Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody was happy about that. But, you know, we're all moving forward the best we can.
0: Matt Safino, Chief Meteorologist, KGW. All right. Give us, uh, you know, your, your, ex- what are we expecting in the next uh, 12 hours, 24 hours? You mentioned some of the cool. Winds coming in from the gorge, uh, but what should we be telling our friends about the next 24 hours?
2: So it's highly dependent on what part of town you live in. For, let's say, downtown and the the inner neighborhoods, east side, and then out, you know, through... Mount Tabor, Lads Edition, uh, down in southeast Portland, you know Laurelhurst, all those areas, and then down towards Selwood. Um, it's going to remain cool. Our temperatures, where they are right now, around 30 to 33, depending on exactly where you are, aren't going to change a whole lot. The good news is they're not going to drop overnight tonight. But we're not going to see widespread quick melting. That's the unfortunate part. And up in the West Hills, where I know some people still have powers, don't have power, rather, um, it's going to remain very cold there. We should top out around 38 tomorrow, but that east wind is coming back tomorrow afternoon, and hopefully that doesn't bring down any more trees and power lines and all of those issues all over again. And we're going to get a good cold rain tomorrow. I think we'll get some dry weather on Friday. It won't be super warm. We'll only top out around 40, but dry 40, uh, dry Friday. And then over the weekend, things should improve. We should be well in. Into the 40s beginning on Saturday so yeah still another 24 hours I'm a little nervous about forecast wise we'll be watching how far that east uh, how far that freezing rain can spread to the west tomorrow I think again about to i 205 should be it but we'll be watching that very closely
0: we were talking with Anna yesterday on air about all the weather uh, related coverage she did over the years being you know, stuck out at the Sylvan Overpass or uh, in the Gorge <laughs> yeah. or whatnot. Uh, who's who's drawing those assignments for KGW today?
2: You know what? That's such a great question because we had Evan Moore, one of our young reporters, and Evan's super solid, really good reporter, and we had him out in Troutdale yesterday, and he literally said that there were chunks of ice getting blown in his face, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what's bad when Mother Nature's blowing chunks on you? I mean, that's basically what it came down to, insult to injury.
0: I love that. And, and a listener called in and asked, you know, snow in, or, you know, I, the the ice freeze or, you know, how it's all marketed by stations, is that... Are you involved in those conversations? Does the marketing department pull you in and say, Zafino, what should we call this thing? Arctic Blast 2024? What are we calling
2: it? You know, it's a lot more casual than that. Um, in, in, in and, you know, over the course of my career, yes, that's been discussed with me, but it's never my decision. That's usually done by the managers in the newsroom and maybe the marketing department as well. And I feel like that's dropped off a little bit. Like, I don't, you know, this one, our, our graphics are just saying Winter Storm. So we didn't go full-on Arctic blast, although personally I was calling this an Arctic blast because it was an Arctic blast when we got that cold. I mean, over the weekend we topped out in the low 20s, set record low daytime high temperatures.
0: Yeah, I saw some teens, and I was going, okay, not since I was in northeast Indiana did I see this kind of weather. So uh, stay warm. You too. Yeah, Matt Zafino, thank you, man. Thank you you for joining us. Anytime. All right, There he goes, chief meteorologist. There you have it. I love that. I love that we can just... uh, you know, summon him up, and he joined us uh, via, you know, a T1 line directly. That's why he sounded like he was right in studio. He was right there in the KGW newsroom giving us the report. So uh, thank you to Matt Zofino for making time for us. Our big splash is coming up. Uh, later in the show, we'll go to Eugene, among other places, and we'll talk more about the NFL playoffs. Leave it here. Well, you heard Zafino, Be careful out there. The uh, ice that's on the ground is real. If you're on the main streets that have been plowed and have graveled down, great. But if you are uh, living on the hills or uh, taking the back roads or walking on the sidewalks, uh, be careful. Keep your feet underneath you. Uh, I hope you're okay. Uh, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports Bracketology expert, will be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. I had Matt Prem from 24/7 Sports down for a 4 o'clock check-in, but the pow- his power's out in Eugene. He's been knocked out. He said he was headed over to a Starbucks and a, bra- a big tree branch fell and crushed his uh, meter box outside his house. So, um, you know, he's uh, obviously a family of four in need of power in Eugene, uh, but uh, his his uh, power is out, so he's holed up at a Starbucks, he said. So he's calling the insurance company, calling the power company, trying to get some work done, as uh, a lot of people are trying to cope as well. I'll take your phone calls, 503-417-7575. Uh, The turnover in the Pac-12 conference, just to tie a bow on this, nine of the 12 coaches from three years ago are gone. Five fired, four left for other jobs. Kyle Whittingham remains behind. Chip Kelly remains behind. Justin Wilcox at Cal remains behind. The rest of the Pac-12 has turned over in three years. Now, some of it may have to do with the fact that, hey, maybe the Pac-12 is a different conference. Jonathan Smith probably is it looking to go to Michigan State if Oregon State's still in the Pac-12, the real Pac-12, the old Pac-12. Um, maybe, maybe Kalen uh, DeBoer goes anyway. Jed Fish probably goes anyway from Arizona to Washington then. Um, you know, David Shaw throws in the keys because, you know, NIL and the transfer portal changed the calculus at Stanford for real. And uh, I think in the end, we're all kind of left looking at you know, the Pac-12 going, gosh, what has gone on? Is this turmoil just going to be an annual thing? Is this just going to, is this what coaches are going to do? Are they going to jump? Are they going to turn over? And I found it interesting, really fascinating. Brent Brennan announced today as the, uh, introduced as the new coach at Arizona, really good hire by Dave Heakey, the athletic director there. Really smart hire. Brandon comes in and I found it really interesting, like the, the timeline. For these hires has been accelerated and, it, and it's obviously been accelerated because of the transfer portal like you know a has to do with b these things are correlated the transfer portal opens the minute kalen de leaves washington 30-day transfer window for washington players it places a ticking clock on the ad at washington you gotta make a hire and you need to do it fast before all these players are gone and so the ad at washington has to act rapidly and replace Kalen DeBoer with Jed Fish, rapidly. And then Dave Hakey, the AD at Arizona, goes, Oh, crap, I've got to move fast, or I'm going to lose all my players in the portal. And so he hires Brent Brennan to San Jose State. Well, guess what? San Jose State's AD's got to do the same thing today. And then whoever they hire from, they have to do the same thing. It's just this domino effect, and the rapid way in which the coaches are jumping and jumping and being replaced immediately, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. But... Uh, You know, fans, here's my advice to you. You're rooting for your program. You're not rooting for the coach. You're not, like, the coach isn't the reason you're there. You're not not rooting for the players, really, even though you are. You're rooting for the jerseys. And you're in it together. And so just buckle up and know that there's going to be some of these moments where it's going to feel volatile. It's going to feel tumultuous. It's going to be, it's different. It's just a different time. Let's go to the phone lines. Brad's in Eugene listening on Fox Sports. Eugene, go ahead, Brad.
1: Hey there. I uh, just wanted to let you know it it's gotten up to almost 50 degrees down here, so it's it's melting quick. Good. Uh, although the standing water on top of the, like, three-inch thick sheet of ice that has collected in the last few days is pretty darn treacherous still. So it's slippery but uh, improving quickly, and hopefully you guys will get warming up there um, coming north. You what, know? Let
0: me ask you, Brad, what what do you do for work?
1: Uh I have a coffee company. We're a coffee roaster.
0: All right. so you, you did you work today? Did, are you out today? Out uh, we about? showed
1: up we showed up to the water main to our building broken and spouting water. We got a plumber out this afternoon. We are optimistically hoping hoping to be open tomorrow. but between the, about the 25 uh, employees in the building, we're like 50-50 in terms of who's out of power and uh, it's just been a real struggle for everybody down here.
0: Yeah stay safe, stay warm.
1: Appreciate Thank you. you, man.
0: There's Brad in Eugene. I think a lot, a lot of people are in that same boat. It's pretty dicey, and even though it is starting to warm a bit. Uh, this brings us to our big splash. It's the one thing you need to know today.
2: This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Must be the big splash. Brought to you by Killer Burger, home of the peanut butter pickle bacon burger, and voted best burger five years in a row. Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about.
0: Well, TCU's next two home games in uh, in women's basketball has have been canceled. The team does not have enough available players. School announcing today that the Horned Frogs, who are fourteen and four, scheduled to play number seven Kansas State tonight, Iowa State on Saturday. Cannot play. Uh, so Iowa State and Kansas State will each get a win. TCU will get losses. Uh, overall records will not be impacted due to NCAA rules. But, uh, you know, TCU's point guard, Jaden Owens, has a torn ACL and a meniscus. And Sedona Prince, a senior at TCU, broke her finger in early January. She's been sidelined. Horn Frogs not able to uh, play a basketball game due to injuries. I find that interesting. Um, and I find it interesting that they're leaning into that. It's a health and safety protocol that it really was born uh, during the pandemic. And uh, under Big 12 rules, a school that is unable to field a team will forfeit. And uh, as a result, those wins go that way, but overall records don't get impacted. TCU, are they playing a little bit of a game there? Keep an eye on it. Uh, other things going on. Uh, you know, I saw a report today, uh, Jim Ursay. Police are saying that he was found unresponsive and struggling to breathe uh, by paramedics last month following a suspected overdose. He's found in bed, cold to the touch. Emergency personnel found him on December 8th, according to the report, and it comes out of Carmel, Indiana. Uh, officer wrote in the report that Ursay's pulse was weak and slow. Um, you know, he got a, a dose of Narcan, which is a medicine that is used to reverse the f- effects of an opioid overdose. And uh, officers noted that a number of different prescription medications uh, were uh, in the room. And uh, the incident was first reported, of course, by TMZ this morning. Uh, the Colts last week revealed that he was dealing with a respiratory illness, they said. They, just, they declined to offer any specific details about it, but uh, it's not apparently a respiratory illness. Uh, timeline of the results is unclear, but uh, he's not been seen publicly in some time. This brings us to the NFL. Steven, if we can, look around. Houston, Baltimore on Saturday, 1.30 on ABC. Saturday night, Green Bay, San Francisco. It feels like the Packers and the Niners end up playing this game every couple years in the playoffs about this time of year. You give... You give either one – like, you you think Houston's got a puncher's chance against Baltimore, but what about Green Bay? Do they have any shot against the Niners?
3: I, yeah, you're right. I think Houston has a shot against Baltimore, and I do not think Green Bay has a chance against San Francisco. I love the Green Bay Packers offense. You know, Jordan Love looks amazing right now. Uh, you know, I got all those rookie receivers, Jaden Reed, Dontavia uh, Wicks, and then you got Aaron Jones running the rock, like, like you know, a couple of years ago. He's looking great. Um, I, I just don't think that that Packer defense is going to be, be able to hold up against the 49ers offense – and, you know, I'm not even the biggest Brock Purdy fan, but there's no denying that he's a good quarterback. And, you know, I've been very, you know, very doubtful on him, but, man, that guy can play. And Kyle Shanahan knows how to put him in the right spot. So I think the 49er offense is just going to be cooking against that Packers defense. Uh, and so I, I just don't think the Packers have enough on the defensive side to slow down the 49ers to stop that game, where I, I, I think this Baltimore Ravens team, I, li- I do like them. I like them a lot. And I love Harbaugh as the coach. I love Lamar Jackson. I think they're great. But Lamar's had trouble in the playoffs, and so I want to see him, you know, perform well in this spot. They've been number one seed before, and they lost at home to the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry running all over them. And I think CJ Stroud is the man, John. I, I think he is. I think he's awesome. Uh, you know, he could be one of the future, you know, best quarterbacks in all of the league. And I think that time is right now. You know, they've had, you know, uh, him as the starter. Those first two games of the season that he started, they lost by double digits. After that, every single game has been close. With the, with the Houston Texans in it, their only losses by three points or less when C.J. Stroud
0: starts the game and finishes the game. So
3: I think as long as Stroud can stay healthy, uh, Houston's got a chance in this
0: one. Are you willing to take Houston to win the game on the money line?
3: I might sprinkle it. I might sprinkle it a little bit, John. I mean, I, I think it's very likely that the Ravens are going to win, but I would love the points, and I will sprinkle it on the money line for sure.
0: All right. Uh, Niners, look, I think the Niners handle the Packers. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. I think there's a big gap between... Tampa, Detroit, Green Bay, and San Francisco in the NFC. And so I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. But I have to tell you, like, as a Niner fan, there's only one team that I think can beat the 49ers, and I think it's Baltimore. And so as a Niner fan, yeah, I kind of am looking at Houston, and I'm looking at the winner of Kansas City-Buffalo and going, okay, knock out Baltimore, do San Francisco a favor, because I just think the Niners are built to handle KC or Buffalo or Houston, but we have seen them not handle Baltimore, and it has to do with the quarterback.
3: Yeah, that is an interesting thought because the 49ers, that, I mean, that's the one thing, John, is that Christmas Day game. You go back to that, the Ravens 49ers, we were all excited for it in San Francisco, and Baltimore just punched them right in the face from the get-go, and it wasn't even a game. So I think for you, like as a 49er fan, that's the one thing I worry about is, is the NFC actually just really bad, and San Francisco is the best of a bad bunch, or are the 49ers an actually elite team? I believe they're more of an elite team, and I think that you know the NFC—it's kind of both. But the, the NFC is not as good, but the Niners are an elite team that should get to the Super Bowl and compete. I just, you know, I I think I, I think it's gonna be tough if they play either Baltimore or Buffalo. I, I think Buffalo is very spicy in the AFC with Josh Allen the way he's playing. As long as they turn the ball over, that team is great. And then, uh, you know, obviously. Playing in Buffalo with that weather, like Josh Allen fits that offense, fits that weather perfectly. I think teams going there uh, is going to be tough. So if Baltimore does get upset by Houston, you know Houston going into Buffalo or the Kansas City, not going to happen. So I think I think you are right. Forty Nine ers have a good shine, good chance to get to the Super Bowl.
0: I think they get to the Super Bowl, but I am looking back at their schedule for the year, and I am going to throw out the the season ending game because they don't play everybody in that game. But you know the Niners lost only four real games during the season. Three of them came to AFC teams. Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. I think that's really interesting. Is it a tell? Is the AFC the better conference? You tell me. Tweet at me. At John Canzano BFT. We'll talk about it coming up. Uh, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports Bracketology expert, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour to talk about the Ducks. Are they in the tournament? Yes, but uh, what does he make of the Pac-12? Leave it here.
2: We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey,
0: sorry to interrupt the podcast, but...